0: So what are you waiting for? Let's get Ready to Thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with Jeannie Cunyon. She is an author, a speaker, and a mom of five boys. We're going to get back to that in a minute. I think I could just introduce her (laughs) just like that. Um, Her latest book is Don't Miss Out, Daring to Believe Life is Better with the Holy Spirit. And I can't wait to dive in. Jeannie, thank you for being here with me. Um, you have five boys and you look yeah. so calm and so <laughs> rested. Tell tell us a little bit more about you, um, and your life, uh, with five boys as an author speaker, all the things,
1: uh, definitely not well rested. I can tell you that. Um, yeah, so my husband and I have five boys. They range from five to 24 years old. Um, our 24 year old son joined our family just two years ago, actually from Haiti, from an orphanage in Haiti. And, um, and then our other boys are 16, 14, 11, and five. So we kind of run the gamut from preschool to, to college, which is, uh, interesting and exciting. Um, we live in Connecticut and, uh, grew up as a preacher's kid, uh, in a Presbyterian church, but also a charismatic church. Uh, those things don't usually go together, but they did in my life. Um, and I, uh, I grew up. Uh, really dreaming of being an adoption social worker, and I did that for years. I never ever imagined being a writer and author. Um, but about gosh, eight years ago, um, I really felt the Lord leading me to push the pause button on my adoption social work and start writing down what He was teaching me about who He is and and what his grace means in my life and in my parenting specifically. Um, at the time I had three boys under five and the wheels were coming off and I couldn't figure out why parenting was so hard and, um, why it, you know, why it exposed all of my weaknesses as much as it enlarged my heart. Uh, but anyways, that really set me on the path of writing and And I'm really excited about this last book, Don't Miss Out, that came out a couple months ago about God, the Holy Spirit, and the significance of his role in our lives. If you had, this is my third book, um, and if you had asked me you know, to name maybe the top 100 things I would write about next, uh, the Holy Spirit would not have been in that list. So this book took me by surprise uh, and changed my life, and I'm just really grateful um, that the Lord led me to write it and that I get to join you today to talk about it.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. Well, I wanna circle back to the woman who had the three boys under five. And so you were working at the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: as this adoption social worker. And I would just love for you to unpack a little more of that process of of saying I'm going to start writing things down. Like, what did that actually look like? Because I feel like that's a Holy Spirit nudge as well. Um, And it's easy to be like, oh, of course, like Jeannie has three books and she's got all these kids. and um, But I just love having little snapshot moments going back and saying, like, how did you how did you really know that was what you're supposed to do? And how did you know it would work out that you would get published?
1: Yeah, I didn't. (laughs) It was all it was all a leap of faith and, and trusting when When the Lord leads, so yes, there there were three kids under five at that point. I was just doing kind of contractual work. I was basically a full time mom, but I would still do home studies for families who wanted to adopt because it was just a life giving thing for me to partner with people in that journey. And so, I was doing that very part time. But um, it's interesting because I've been a journaler all my life. I've I've always loved to write. And I was obsessed with parenting books when my kids were born, right. That was, (laughs) it was more about me, you know, reading the right books. And it was about trusting the Lord with their hearts at that point. And I was just so focused on getting it all right. And so I was reading all these books and I was taking all these notes and I was underlining and highlighting. And then I actually started journaling the things I was learning. So I could, I mean, it was, you know, I was, like I said, real focused on getting it all right as a mom and raising kids who could get it all right, neither of which is possible. And when my oldest was five, that's really when I had a moment. I was doing a Bible study. It was a verse I've read a hundred times, probably more than that in my life, but it was a Bethmore Bible study. I was doing my homework for the week and I was on my couch as a very ordinary day. Um, but, uh, that conversation between the Lord and Paul, when he's begging God to take away his weaknesses and, um, and his afflictions that reveal his weaknesses and, And as you know, we all know the Lord responded, grace, Mike, or he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. And I really just kind of dug into that and sat with it and studied it and and was shocked by the way Paul was able to say in response. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. Now I'm glad to be honest about my weaknesses because now the the grace and the power of God can be made perfect through me when I'm weak, he is strong. And it was the Holy Spirit who really illuminated that verse in a new way and made it land on my heart in a fresh way and, and really began me on a journey of what is God's grace? What does that mean? I've heard it my whole life, um, but what is the grace of God? And, um, and as I began to understand the depth and the breadth of God's grace, it, radically changed my parenting. Uh, it really shifted me from being a mom who focused, uh, on the law of God and wanting my kids to know the law of God and obey the law of God to being a mom who knew that my starting place had to be the love of God, that that had to be the foundation on what I built. uh, Um, um, yeah, which I built and, um, that the love was going to be the thing that would make them want to obey the law. Uh, and so, um, I just started writing about what the Lord was teaching me. And I, I had this urge, this desire to write, which was bizarre because I had never had that before. And then you know, I could tell hours of stories where the, the Lord just gave me little crazy nudges. And I was like, wait, Lord, are you, do you want me to write? And all these little nudges, it's kind of these nods. Yes, Jeannie, keep writing. Keep, and and the, the irony in the story is my oldest sister uh, is a, uh, an author. She had, at that point, probably had, I don't know, four or five books out. Uh, she writes women's low country fiction. And I called her and I said, Patty, I know you're the writer in our family. I don't write. I'm an adoption social worker. You're a writer. But I have been trying to ignore this unbelievable feeling that has settled on me that I'm supposed to write too. And I know it makes no sense, but I really feel the Lord has confirmed that in my heart. He will not let it go. And my sister's response was, I've been waiting for you to figure that out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so that for me was a moment. Um, And I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you because I really didn't want to write. I didn't want to stop doing adoption social work. And I didn't like pursuing something that I didn't feel skilled at. Right. I mean, I, I never studied how to write. I never took a writing class. So it felt very scary to pursue something the Lord had put on my heart that where I brought no, what it felt like I brought no um, capability to the table. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, you know, that old, you know, saying like, he'll equip you where he calls you. And that was the first of many situations where I really got to experience the Lord supernaturally equipping me. Leading me and how to write and what to write, and then he just opened the doors in ways that I can look back now and go, it was literally miraculous the way he opened doors because he wanted that book published and he wanted me to, to follow him down this path. Um, and now I love writing and speaking and I can't imagine doing anything else. And the irony is, my writing is what led us to the adoption of our son. And so God is so unbelievably creative. For anybody who's listening today and you're afraid to trust him with a dream in your heart or a vision he's put in your life that just doesn't align with anything you ever thought you would do. I just urge you to ask the Holy spirit to guide you and to trust him because it was through the first book I wrote, which was called parenting the wholehearted child that a missionary in Haiti, uh, who was my age had similar upbringings, but she was a missionary in Haiti and she had a hundred kids and she read that book and she just randomly emailed me. And said, you have no idea who I am. I don't expect you to respond, but I just wanted you to know what your book has meant for me as a mom who also feels ill-equipped and needed to know the depths of God's grace. And so I immediately emailed her back and I was like, wait, who are you? What's your name? Tell me all about this orphanage. And, And we developed an immediate friendship, which several years later led to my family and I taking a trip to the orphanage. Within a year, we had 25 people coming with us every year. Uh, but on that first trip, we met Andre who is now our son. Um, and so the Lord just used that to even bring, to bring adoption into my life in a very real and tangible way. Um, I mean, he's just, our God is so creative. And, uh, if we just trust him, he's just really trustworthy and his plans are. So we say it all the time. His plans are so much better than ours, but they really are. They just, even when it doesn't feel like it, they really are.
0: Well, I love, um, that as you shared, you asked this question, God, are you are you asking me to write? And I love that as you said that, that is often what it looks like. And it's not that you, um, God didn't email you. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no billboard. There was no, here's the five step plan. It really was this, okay, I'm sensing this thing. Like I'm sensing this nudge. I can't really shake it. I'm gonna go forward in obedience with this thing. Not knowing
1: mm-hmm.
0: what's gonna be on the other side of it and um and then I just love that we get to see that picture, I think you said eight years later, uh, maybe even more um and then seeing all of the other things that have come through that yes yeah. and even the um you know the little nudge that didn't is it Danita yeah. Yeah, that Danita had to email you and that you responded, again, having no idea, responding to an email that, hey, maybe maybe we'll adopt a child like this. Like that's not, we can't go that far down the path. I actually think that's part of God's grace as well, that that we just uh, see the next little step of obedience, the next little thing. And um, that he, he opens doors, he does all of the heavy lifting. And our job is to say yes along the way. And I'm sure um, even through that, if we had a few hours to unpack it, you would also tell me about many times of discouragement and frustration and things that felt like questioning, like, are, are you sure? Is this the right thing to do? This feels too hard. Yep. Maybe I'm not equipped. Um, all of those things, like we're just kind of getting the snapshot of, of the highlight. But, um, but yeah, I love hearing some of the backstory um, because we can see somebody who is Clearly arrived at a beautiful book, and yes, of course you're a writer. But I love even what your sister spoke into your life. um, Yeah, that you know that you have kind of finally realized that, and um, and we need people to speak those things over us. But really, it is in that sitting with God, and even just creating that space. That's what I I think I love about this book is that it's an invitation to really cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, um, so let's dive in. Cause I want to, um, I want to even know more about how, like you said, this wasn't on your radar. Like this is, if I ever get to write books, this is going to be one of them. How Mm -hmm. did this book come about? Like what was the catalyst to writing this book? Cause I can assume that would have been a very intimidating prospect. Um, Yeah.
1: Totally. And to your point, you know, there were, there were so many moments of discouragement in my first book and my second book, and especially in this last one, right? It's not like, it's not all skittles and rainbows. There's a lot of moments where you go, I can't do this. And every time the Lord goes, no, you're right. You can't, but I can. So the question always comes back to, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Um, And so this, this last book, don't miss out about the Holy Spirit uh, really was birthed out of a prayer. Uh, that I began praying several years ago a very simple prayer which was just lord i want all of you i just i am so hungry for you i am so desperate for you um i just want all of you i don't want to miss out on any part of your character um your you know your your friendship i just want all of you and i don't know how i thought god would answer that prayer i didn't have any idea what that would look like um But I very quickly realized that the way he answered that prayer was by reintroducing me to his spirit, because I became so curious about the Holy Spirit and it came out of nowhere. I mean, I just suddenly was so curious about the Holy Spirit. I would see his name in scripture uh, where I had just perused over it in the past. I would hear songs welcoming his presence and be really captivated and, and hungry for just um, what that song spoke of, what it, what it was welcoming. And I, um, and I was like, you're, you're doing this to me. You're making me curious about your spirit. And, and I really, and then a couple other things happened. I remember I was speaking to a group of moms who had read my Uh, parenting book. And, and one of the things we were talking about was how we don't have the power as parents to produce fruit in our kids' lives, right? That that is the Holy Spirit's job. He is the sanctifier. And so there is freedom. My book, mom set free. There is so much freedom when we let go of and surrender all of these things that we think are part of our role as parents, when really it's the Holy Spirit's job in their life. And one of the moms said to me, we had like a question and answer afterwards. And she said, Jeannie, I know that we're supposed to like trust the Holy Spirit and live in the power of the Holy Spirit, but like what does that even look like? Like what does that even mean practically? And I didn't have an answer that satisfied me for her. You know, I I really I thought, well, the Lord tells us to ask for his spirit and, and then trust that he'll guide us. But I just it really revealed to me in that moment how little I knew about the Holy Spirit works in our lives and and how do we really welcome him? activating and unleashing his power in our lives. And so all of these things kind of colluded. There was this collusion of things that made me realize um, the Lord wants me to get to know him by his spirit. And I remember calling my parents and I said, Hey mom, what are your favorite books? You know, one of the perks of being a preacher's kid is you can ask your parents these questions. And I said, what's, what are your favorite books about the Holy spirit? And she gave me several and I read all of them. And she said, I'm just curious though, Jeannie, why are you asking like, what made you want to read about the Holy spirit? And I said, I guess it's the Holy spirit. (laughs) You know, he's like, he's like, I want to know, I want you to know me. I want you to know who I am and what I do and why it matters so much in your life, Jeannie. If you want all of God, then you're going to have to hang out with me too. You're going to have to welcome my work too. And so I just began to study scripture and I began to read books by theologians that I admire and respect you know, that wrote books about the work of the Holy spirit. And I was so absolutely blown away by what I was discovering, uh, just how much I've missed about what he was sent to do in our lives. Um, I mean, just if you just sit with the gospel of John chapters 14 through 16, read those slowly as Jesus is talking to the disciples, preparing them for his ascension and preparing them for the work and ministry of the Holy spirit. It's mind blowing how much is in there. And there was one particular passage. I will tell you that really undid me quite frankly. And it was where Jesus was saying to the disciples right before his ascension. He said, um, it was in John 16 where he says, um, basically I'm going to uh, return to the father. And, uh, I'm going to send the Holy spirit and it is better for you that I send the Holy spirit, other translations rate. It is to your advantage that I send the Holy spirit, or it is for your good that I send the Holy spirit. And then Jesus concluded by saying, if I don't go, he won't come. But if I do go, he will come. And, uh, I just, I just couldn't believe that of all the times I've read the gospel of John, how did I miss that? Jesus himself said, it's better for you that I go so that the Holy spirit will come. And so I wanted to answer that question. Why is it better? Why is it for my good? Because my response was like the disciples in that passage. And when you read it, you know, the scripture says that they were filled with sorrow. They were like, no, 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 Jesus. We don't want just quote unquote. Well, just your spirit. We want you, we want you to set up your kingdom. We want your physical presence. And, and Jesus said to them, you know, you, there's too much for you to understand right now, but basically you're no longer going to be dependent on my physical presence because now I will take up residence inside of you because the Holy spirit is the spirit of God. It is the spirit of Christ. And so he's telling them now you'll never be without me. You won't need my physical presence. I will actually take up residence inside of you so that you will never, ever, ever be without me or what you need. And that just stunned me because I think so much of our salvation narrative lacks the beautiful, unbelievably life-changing message that when we put our trust in Jesus, yes, we receive eternal life. It is a free gift uh, of grace that we receive in that moment. So we receive eternal life when we put our trust in Jesus. But what we're not talking about is that when we put our trust in Jesus, something else really beautiful and significant happens. In that very moment, God puts his spirit in us. At that very moment. So if you're listening today and you have put your trust in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit lives in you at this very moment. And I think there's a lot of us that just don't realize that we don't recognize this priceless, precious gift that has been put inside of us. And so what happens is as Christians, and this was true of me, is Christians, we're trying to live the Christian life without the power of Christ. We're trying to live, go ahead.
0: Yeah. And you have this great line um, where you say women are trying to transform their lives in their own strength, but what we really need is the spirit's power to produce supernatural results. And I think that's a big part of, um, and we can unpack in a few minutes kind of why we tend to try to live our lives without the Holy Spirit, Um, but it's exhausting
1: it's exhausting. trying to
0: do life on our own, trying to make things happen, trying to be a great mom, trying to push forward on our dreams, trying to get through any day, going to the yeah. grocery store, whatever yeah. it is, yeah, on our own strength. And so um, let's just quickly talk about kind of some of the, like, what are some of the reasons why we don't um, either cultivate, like spend time with the Holy Spirit, getting to know the Holy Spirit. We don't surrender to the Holy Spirit. Like, why aren't aren't we necessarily living life with the Holy Spirit? Um, What do you think are some of the things that are kind of keeping us from doing that?
1: Yeah, I think there's several reasons. I think one is all the misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. You know, unfortunately, there has been a significant amount of abuse and misuse uh, done in his name things that are uh, not of him, but done in his name. And so we might be afraid of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people are very afraid of the Holy Spirit and for very good reason, right? They're afraid he's weird and they're afraid he's going to make them weird because they've seen weird things done. I'm not talking about the beautiful use of spiritual gifts. I'm talking about the way people abuse him for fame, for power, for money, um, for you know all of those uh, worldly motivations. Um, and so There's this, there are a lot of misconceptions about him that cause us to keep him at arm's length, right? So there's the exception, there's the um, assumption that he's only for the extremes. So either you're super spiritual or you're super strange, right? You're super spiritual. You're a teacher or a pastor or a theologian with lots of letters after your name. and, And you've somehow gotten so close to God that you've gotten access to his spirit and you can hear from his spirit. And you have to be, you know, reach a certain level of knowledge or holiness in order to be able to have his spirit or enjoy his spirit, right? So that's the super spiritual. And then there's the super strange. And that kind of goes back to what I said before, just assuming that he's only for people who want to do very bizarre things in his name. And so if you don't fall into one of those two categories, you might think, well, then he's not for me because i'm not i'm not an extreme. Um but i also think for a lot of us it comes down to something very very simple which is we just don't know. We don't know. We don't know why Jesus sent him. We don't know all that he's intended to do in our lives. We don't know all of the benefits of having him living inside of us because a lot of churches aren't talking about the Holy Spirit, right? There's the joke that it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. And so we have made him seem like the least significant, right? Because we name him last, that must mean he's the least significant in our lives. And yet scripture is abundantly and beautifully clear that from Genesis 1 to the end of the Bible, that the Holy Spirit is uh, before time began and that he is not only equally essential but he is equal to the father and the son it is god the father god the holy spirit god this god the god the father god the son and god the holy spirit and and so we we neglect his role in our lives because we don't know nobody's taught us nobody's told us why he matters so much and and if you don't feel equipped to study scripture Uh, in that way, then you just go, well, I have, you know, Francis Chan asked a beautiful question in his book, Forgotten God, that's about the Holy Spirit. And he says, um, he says, a lot of Christians ask, I have Jesus, why do I need the Holy Spirit? Uh, And yet it was Jesus who said, it's better for you that I go away and let me tell you why. And, and at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit his whole goal is to glorify Jesus, right? Jesus said he will glorify me. And so if we really want to have an intimate relationship with Jesus, if we really want our lives to be a love song for Jesus, if we really want our lives to point people to the gospel, then we need the Holy Spirit to be alive in us. We need him to be, we need to be yielding to him and to be welcoming his work uh, and not quenching that fire because he will make, he will make not only Jesus beautiful to us, but he will make our lives a love song for Jesus to the people that we encounter. Um, you know, but back to your question, I just think there's a lot of misconceptions. Um, and I don't, and I also think, uh, and I think this is really important. We just don't know how to live in the power of the Holy spirit. Right. I mean, I think we really casually recite seven words, which are in the power of the Holy spirit, right? We, we recite those words in maybe liturgy, um, or in songs and we talk about in the power of the Holy spirit, but I think very few of us actually know how to live in the power of the Holy spirit. And so we're maybe not even avoiding him on purpose. We just don't know how to welcome him so that he activates his power unleashes our power, his power, um, in our lives. And, oh gosh, I could just go on and on and on. I think one of the reasons for that is that we call him an it. We don't, we, you know, oftentimes he's referred to as an it. And so, uh, if we don't recognize that the Holy spirit is a person, a divine person with a dynamic personality, um, then he just feels like a power, um, that we get to use or that we get to access when in reality, he is a person who manifests his power, through us when we are yielded to his presence. Yeah,
0: well, That's so good. Um, I often have said, you know, in, in this uh, analogy of cultivating a relationship with God, that um, it's similar to what I would do with my spouse, which is like, we need to talk daily, date weekly, and go away together seasonally. Like that's kind of the ideal. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, I've tried to take that same um, mindset when it comes to, really cultivating relationship with Holy Spirit, which is, you know, what does it look like to talk daily um, to ideally start my day just actually sitting in his presence. Um, yeah. there was a few years ago, i I kept hearing him say, "I don't want your performance. I just want your presence, right? We can get in this mm-hmm. mindset of what do I need to do? Well, I need to read these certain things. and And I realized there's actually just something beautiful in sitting and being and listening. And I, I've told this story often about how I have three girls who are very chatty and they like to talk at the exact same time. And so all three of them will run up to me and they'll have something crucial they need to tell me or ask me or she said this or did this. And so they're all coming up to me and I'm trying to decipher you know what they've said. And I'm thinking about a response. And as I go to give my response, often they have either switched subjects or they've left. And I think so often we go to God and we're like, okay, here's my problem, here's my thing, da da da, and then He's like, great, now I here's my response, and we're like, well, I'm out of here, and so really just learning to kind of sit and linger, and it is very backwards in our culture because it doesn't feel productive, mm-hmm. and we are such a productive and distracted um, culture. And so what does it look like to carve out that time? Going back to that analogy, um, as I sit with my husband, um, you know, I know even when we were first married, didn't have kids, we would try to meet at a coffee shop for these regular little dates. And uh, we didn't have any kids at home distracting us, but just the house itself was distracting us. And so we needed to kind of get away and say, what does it look like just to be? We're not doing the dishes side by side. We're not cleaning up toys. We're not multitasking. We're just being. And so I think part of it too, in the practicality is what does it look like to flip that mindset in our, in our mind just to say, actually, this is, I know, um, when I started having kid free time, regular kid free time that, um, my husband had given me a few years ago, he said, you're not allowed to do errands. You're not allowed to do appointments. Just do something that's going to, help your soul. And so it would be going Mm. for these walks and just listening and, and flipping the script on what, what does productivity look like and walking with him and hearing his voice and, um, hearing the very words we need to hear that he will speak love and truth over us, Mm -hmm. um, and that he's also going to speak conviction. And I think one of the things that actually does keep us away from, you know, spending this time with God is, what what are you actually going to say to me? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm afraid. And so I often like to share that conviction is not condemnation. He doesn't bring things up to shame us, but actually to invite us into more freedom. So those things he's going to bring up to us— can in a very similar way be um, like when you kind of heard that nudging years ago to write, and it's kind of can be that same thing. That's like, hey, I just kind of want to talk to you about this. I'm going to bring it up and bring it up, and and sometimes um, there can be something that is not great. And I know for myself, as I started going on these walks years ago, it was like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go on a walk we're going to deal with some junk. Mm -hmm. And I would be going on these walks and I would be bawling and I'd be like, oh, okay, there's more, like there's something else. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was like this decluttering process where God was showing me, hey, there's been some stuff that's been hidden in there, either some lies you've believed about somebody else, yourself, or something you've been doing that seems like it's the right thing to do because it's the way the world operates, but it's actually hurting you. And mm-hmm. so uh, my invitation to people as they um, pursue time with the Holy Spirit and, the, and that there might be that fear of, I, I've been making mistakes. I've been trying to like hide some things from you or, or from myself. And um, I think that one of the things, and you talk about this in your book, is that the Holy Spirit illuminates and that he he just illuminates those things in our heart that we can't even see for ourselves um, for our freedom. He doesn't leave us hanging. He's not like, yeah. hey, gotcha. Like, this is this is what you've been doing. I'm going to leave you there. He actually draws us um, into the place of freedom and forgiveness. And so.
1: Um, yeah, that's beautiful. And I love that you talk about, you know, there's, there is a profound difference in conviction and condemnation. Uh, and I think it's helpful for us to recognize that his conviction is always, Done out of love. He loves us. And so he wants to help us turn from sin and turn toward our Savior. And so the conviction is never about, like you said, condemning us or shaming us. That's what the enemy does. It's always about leading us to repentance because the scripture says repentance leads to refreshment. And so we don't have to be afraid of conviction. I mean, we do in the sense that it's like, I don't want to have to deal with that thing right now. And I know you're going to. Bring it to mind, but if you can remember that the Holy Spirit's role is to mold you more into the likeness of Jesus, that it's going to require him highlighting things in your life that need to be released so that you can grow Uh, and, and, and thrive in your walk with Christ. And, and so it, it's always out of love. Conviction is always out of love. It might not feel loving, right? (laughs) Because it's it's hard, you know, some things he's, you know, dealt with me in my marriage and as a mom and, you know, things I enjoy where he's like, that's not God's best for you. Um, And we can ignore him and quench his work and grieve him, or we can, yield to his authority and follow that conviction and that nudging. Um, And for me, like one of the things that I think is so beautiful about the word that um, Jesus used to describe the Holy spirit, when he was talking to the disciples is he's an advocate, right? Jesus said, I will send the helper. I will send the advocate. And so he's always advocating on your behalf. And so, you know, that uh, when you hear things that are condemning and shameful, you know, that's the accuser, that's the enemy, that that's his role is to accuse you. Um, but the Holy spirit is advocating for you. He's, he's never going to speak to you in a way that, um, feels shameful or full of condemnation. It's not in his character. Um, again, it won't always feel good, but he is in everything he's doing. He's advocating for you. He's, he's for your good and for God's glory. And so Um, it always behooves us to, to listen and to follow. And I'll be the first to admit, you know, I, when I don't listen and follow, I have to clean up the mess, you know, and we're all human, we're all fallen. So there are going to be days when we're going to heed his guidance. We're going to listen to that nudge. And there's going to be days and times that we don't, and, you know, that's going to, that's going to radically impact the outcome of our choices. Um, thank God there's always forgiveness for when we, we don't follow the nudge.
0: Um, you reminded me of something else that you had written um, that I had noticed. And I love that you brought it up as well in, um, in your book. And you just mentioned this idea of after Jesus was in the wilderness. Um, I don't know which book it is, but it it um, mentions that the enemy left until an opportune time. Yes. And that stood out to me. And, and I have often thought in my life what are the opportune times in my life? And I have paid attention to when I'm vulnerable. And there's a few times where I'm like, certain hormonal times in the month, other times where I'm tired, there's certain um, spaces I can go into where I've had to pay attention and say, you're actually like, you're vulnerable in this moment. Even actually some mountaintop moments where I can be like, things are going really well. Cause then you can feel like, I don't need God right now, right? Like I'm, I'm doing my thing. Everything's going well. And so um, paying attention to, you know, when are you vulnerable? What are the things coming your way? Um, and I think that's where the Holy Spirit can even nudge us as well to say like, hey, just pay attention here. Like This, this thing over here that looks um, shiny or attractive or that thing that somebody said that I almost imagine... I'm I'm running a race like the Olympics are on right now. I'm a, I'm on the track, and somebody holds out a distraction, and I suddenly go, "Oh, okay, over here," and move over. And so I just think there's um, I don't know if, what you have noticed in your life where um, it seems like there can be kind of those opportune times for you.
1: Yeah, and that honestly, that was one of the another kind of mind blowing moment for me in reading that story and realizing where I think it's so cool how scripture specifically says. Jesus, comma, full of the Holy Spirit, comma, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Like, that that's so profound that Jesus was empowered for his earthly ministry by the Holy spirit. He was full of the Holy spirit after the dove descended and God, you know, announced he was greatly pleased with his son and, and then full of the Holy spirit, Jesus goes into the wilderness and he defeats all of Satan's temptations with the very things that we have at our own disposal, which is the, you know, full of the spirit and the sword of the spirit, right. With quoting scripture and through the power of the Holy spirit, but then it's a crazy how it says, and I've never noticed that when Jesus came out, that the hope that this that Satan waited for another opportune time to tempt Jesus, and I think that's really important for us to realize as Christians that He waits for opportune times, um, and He is eager to feed us lies and take us out, and we don't have to be afraid of that because we have the Holy spirit. And so we have nothing to fear. We already have the victory. Jesus has already defeated death and, and secured our salvation and our, and our eternity, but we, we do have to be aware of it. And so, but the beautiful thing is he's given us the Holy spirit. So every time Satan wants to attack at those opportune moments, um, we have the power of the Holy spirit, just like Jesus did. I think it's, it's crazy to think that, I think in many ways we've made the Holy Spirit very small. We've underestimated the Holy Spirit. We we don't realize that the same Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus is the same Holy Spirit who uh, filled and equipped and radically transformed the disciples. Is the same Holy Spirit that's in us today, right? Like we don't have a mini version of the Holy Spirit. We don't have a a smaller, less powerful version of the Holy. It is the same. Holy spirit. And if all, if we would live like that's true, could you even imagine if every Christian lived in the knowledge that it's the same Holy spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and that their lives could be that profoundly impactful for the gospel. If they were willing to trust and yield to the work of the Holy spirit in their lives.
0: So good. Well, I know even, and you pointed this out in your book as well, even just seeing the transformation in Peter, In Acts, where, you know, we see Peter while Jesus was on earth. I mean, his, unfortunately, his last few hours, you know, like he doesn't, it's not his greatest moment. Mm -mm. Um, And then we see him so transformed where he is. He's so bold. And um, we see that through the Holy Spirit that he's been totally changed. Um, I also was thinking about, again, I'm not sure where the verse is, but where it talks about the Holy Spirit will bring to mind. Um, basically, like he's going to bring to mind scripture for us. And so uh, go just kind of wrapping up what you were saying when the enemy is coming at us and being able to speak out loud the word of God, that's really, um, I think, why we, one of the reasons to be in the word every day, even though sometimes we're like, i read this didn't seem super applicable to my life today what's going you know um but that the holy spirit will actually bring those things up to us when we need them and being yeah. able to speak out the truth especially when those lies are coming at us or we're feeling a bit shaky um that he's like, "Hey, i'm gonna i'm gonna actually i'm living in you like you said um the exact same spirit that rose jesus from the dead that was in him is in us And he is able to bring those things to mind when we need them. So he's there. He's like, hey, I'm I am fighting with you. I'm fighting for you. Um, Even where it talks about how um, he will um, use kind of groans when we don't even know what to pray. I don't know if you've been in that place where you're like, I don't even know what to say here. But it feels like he's he is advocating for us on our behalf.
1: He prays for us when we don't know what to say, when, when we're too tired, when we're too angry, when we're too full of doubt, when we're too busy, it's, it's just wild to think that the Holy spirit intercedes for us, that he prays on our behalf and he does it in, uh, in accordance with God's will. He takes those, he takes those groans in our hearts and he, and he prays for us. He takes those to the father on our behalf. And it's, Um, What a beautiful gift of the Holy spirit. And I think one of the, one of the things that really wrecked me the most as I studied the Holy spirit and and wrote, don't miss out was recognizing that even though all these years, because I put my trust in Jesus when I was eight, I'm 46 now. Um, But even though I spent the majority of my Christian life not recognizing all of the things the Holy Spirit was doing on my behalf, um, not recognizing that in moments of deep heartache or despair that the comfort that I felt was the Holy Spirit, not recognizing his counsel, even though I spent so many years not recognizing or being grateful for His work in my life didn't keep him from working on my behalf. And that wrecks me. You know, that really does. It wrecks me to think that, Holy Spirit, you've been praying for me all these years. You've been interceding for me. You've been praying for my kids. You have been there. And and just because I wasn't aware of it didn't mean you crossed your arms and just sat in my heart you know cold and unwilling because you wanted to be noticed or appreciated um you were working on my behalf the whole time uh and 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 yet when we recognize his presence and we welcome it and we lean into it and we cooperate there's so much more there's so much more when we are not actively grieving him or quenching the fire um, and so that's an encouragement to to not dismiss or ignore him because you know he's still working on your behalf because there's so much more for you to enjoy and experience when you do life with him when you nurture that relationship with him. But how beautiful that as Christians we know that he's doing these things on our behalf even when we're completely unaware uh, and ungrateful for them. I just that wrecks me.
0: Um, you mentioned a few times this phrase grieving the holy spirit or quenching um and can you just unpack that um again because i think are there things that we're doing unknowingly like are there things like again going back to the analogy of my kids running up to me and then leaving and it's like i i had to learn that lesson of what does it look like to linger um with the holy spirit so what does it look like to really grieve or quench the holy spirit
1: yeah. Um, and they're slightly different things. And I do um, commit a chapter to each one in the book if people really want to unpack that because it's important to know, well, what does grieve him, right? What does grieve my best friend? What does quench my best friend? Uh, how do I hurt him? Um, the- Because the original word in the Greek can actually be translated hurt. Do not hurt the Holy spirit. Do not grieve the Holy spirit because the Holy spirit has feelings. He is a person with a personality. He has a mind, he has a will and he has emotions. And so the person of the Holy spirit lives in you. And and thankfully that the, the Bible is so clear on what does grieve him. Cause that was my question. Okay. So what grieves him? And if you open scripture, it says, do not grieve the spirit of God. And then, uh, Paul goes on to write, um, get, he tells us how he says, get rid of all bitterness, anger, malice, slander. Um, I think it's envy, I don't have this passage in front of me, but so he tells us that it's all these relational things. These are all relational words, the way we interact with one another, anger, slander, bitterness, rage. Um, And he says, get rid of those things. Those things grieve the spirit of God in you when you're holding on to bitterness with your spouse, which I'll be the first to admit I've been really good at. Um, That was one of the Holy Spirit's first orders of business with me as I wrote this book was bitterness. Um, You know, get rid of anger. You know, dealing with anger with your children, get rid of these things. And of course we're sinners and we're fallen. So these things are going to pop back up in our lives all the time. We just have to keep asking the Holy spirit to empower us to um, lean into his empowerment, to not choose that, to not hold on to that and to repent when we do. But so he lists the things that grieve the spirit of God, that hurt the spirit of God. God in us. Uh, and then the very next verse is so beautiful. He says, rather, uh, forgive one another or be tender-hearted, be kind of compassionate, tenderhearted, uh, and forgive one another as God has forgiven you in Jesus Christ. And so he literally lays out what does grieve the spirit and then what kind of restores intimacy relationship, uh, what helps you stop impeding the work of the Holy spirit is being tenderhearted with one another, being compassionate. In other words, modeling the heart of Jesus with one another, being like Jesus with one another, forgiving one another as God and Christ has forgiven us. And so um, there's a lot more in there to unpack, but um, it's kind of a, uh, a brief answer to, okay, I don't want to grieve him. So, So what can I do to make sure that I'm not impeding his work, that I'm not hurting him, that I am nurturing my relationship with him?
0: Well, I love that. I, um, again, thought of a story with my kids where years ago, I remember one of them saying something, just being so mean to the one sister. And we usually go through the like process of saying, I'm sorry, I forgive you and everything. But I realized in this process, I was like, actually, I feel hurt. Like, I feel like you've hurt my kid. I think you need to apologize to me as well. And I remember thinking, oh, I think this is how God feels when I hurt one of his kids, right? Like I, f- I felt like there was a disconnect um, horizontally, but there also felt like this disconnect vertically. And so um, I think that really helps unpack that verse as well, that idea of, you know, what does it look like when the actions that we have against one another, the things that we hold on to, they really do affect our relationship with God and, um and I know my my story as well is um, the the main thing was actually the bitterness I felt towards my husband, and um, it's very easy. I remember sitting around with with various girlfriends. It's easy in our culture to be in a place of like, oh, this is you know what my husband did. He's such an o for he's always busy at work, or this is what my kids did, and and, and the slander piece. It's easy to. Um, slander co-workers because this is what we do, right? We can get in this place of kind of living um, in culture and operating the same way that culture does, not realizing these things that seem so simple every day um, really are affecting us and our heart. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, f- I think it might is, is Ephesians 4 kind of 27 if that's... Um, to 30, if that's kind of that section that you were just talking about. And I remember reading um, in the Amplified Version, because Ephesians 4.27 talks about, you know, don't give the devil a stronghold. And I was always like, what does that mean? How am I giving him, like, you know, like those verses where you're like, that's a great idea. I actually have no idea how to go about that. Right. And it was the Amplified Version that just said, you know, um, don't let him lead you into sin by cultivating bitterness by nurturing Mm. anger and all these things I was like oh I've totally been doing those things okay this is this is serious this is more than just like a Sunday school suggestion this is actually really going to be the difference between me um, thriving in my relationship with God but also in my all of my relationships and so Mm -hmm. um, for me it is these are daily daily things and again this is where I need Um, The Holy Spirit illuminating all of these things in my life because on my own, um, I continue to just bump up against all of the people in my life. And um, I need to not only be apologizing um, to them, forgiving them, but also um, just really making that right relationship with the Holy Spirit kind of again Mm -hmm. and again. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, Jeannie, I've loved chatting with you. I know there's going to be... um, a few women that are like, this all sounds great. Where do I start? What do I, what do I do? I don't, I don't feel like I actually have a, a relationship with the Holy spirit. What can I do today?
1: Yeah. I'm really glad you asked that question. And I think that's a really normal way to feel um, and the devil might want to try to shame you around that feeling. And so I just want to encourage you that, uh, the Holy spirit is so eager to get to know you and, or better said for you to get to know him. Cause he knows you, <laughs> he knows you inside now. Um, but he's so eager to reveal himself to you and to develop that relationship with you. And I think about just what Jesus said. I mean, Jesus answers that question in scripture. Um, he says, ask literally Jesus said, ask, he's talking about how we as parents, um, he was, you know, giving the story about how we as parents, uh, even though we're evil, know how to give good gifts to our children. And then Jesus says, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy spirit to those who ask? And so the heavenly father wants to give you um, more of himself. He wants you to know more of him. I mean, you already have all of the Holy spirit, but he wants you to know him more, to enjoy him more. And so ask him to fill you afresh every day just ask. I mean, that's a great place to start. It's like Jesus said, just ask how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy spirit to those who Ask. So just start by asking, welcoming, and ask Him to help you trust Him. I think a lot of us have trust issues with the Holy Spirit. And again, I think that's really normal. Um, But I want to encourage you, He is completely trustworthy because He shares the same character, the same essence as God the Father. So He cannot act or uh, intervene in your life in, in a way that God, the father and God, the son would not, they are one, our triune God. They share the same essence. And yet the Holy spirit plays a very, very distinct role in your life. He has a distinct function in your life. And so begin by asking and then um, open the Bible and just read through John 14 through 16. Just read those three chapters and and just kind of look at what Jesus himself said about the Holy Spirit um, and his significance in your life. Um, and then I would encourage you, and it's not because it's my book, because writing it changed my own life with the Holy Spirit is um, take the time and read. Don't miss out. It's 30 short chapters. They're very short. I wrote them so that they would be digestible. Um, and you could kind of sit with it, but each chapter is about a specific benefit of having the Holy spirit. And so, um, somebody said, it feels like a, like an autobiography of the Holy spirit or a, um, just kind of an invitation to experience him. So, um, I, and I've heard a lot of people saying they're doing it as their morning devotion. Cause it's just a, a short chapter focusing on a benefit. Um, but I promise you, you will be uh, and i'm still blown away i mean i i just started reading acts again um this summer and i'm like i studied the book of acts inside and out upside down like that was such a big part of writing this book and yet the lord is revealing new things to me in every chapter words that are jumping the holy spirit you know it's like there is just so much still to uncover um and unpack about who the holy spirit is and so um he's trustworthy. And I would just encourage you to ask and then get to know him in in the word. And he will be so delighted to reveal himself to you.
0: Well, that's so good. Uh, If you didn't recommend your book, I was going to. Um, I love the idea of using it as um, a devotional because they are short chapters. At the end, there's also um, just a a moment to reflect um, Mm -hmm. and then also um, a moment to respond, which I really like because I think um, that is where uh, things actually begin to change. There's this digging deeper that as we kind of can go out and say, you know, I love to connect with God out in nature. And so I love going for a walk and even just holding on to one of the questions that um, Jeannie asks at the end and taking that with you on a walk to say, okay, what what's something maybe that um, the Holy Spirit would want to kind of reveal to me today, work in me today? Um, mm-hmm. That would be... So wise. Where can people find your book and where can they find you?
1: Um, I am basically Jeannie Cunyon website, Instagram. It's all just Jeannie Cunyon. Uh, My book is available wherever books are sold Um, and uh, you can buy it through my website. Uh, We also have a really fun and free book club kit on my website. So if you want to read the book in community um, with some friends in your Bible study group, or even if you just want to download the book club kit for yourself, because it's just, it's about, you know, it's several more questions that really help you wrestle with what you're learning. Um, But there's a free book club kit on my website that you can download if you'd like to do that with the book as well.
0: I love that idea. I, okay, that's that's my new suggestion. You can get it on your own, but I think that uh, <laughs> grab a group of friends, especially if you are feeling not only disconnected from the Holy Spirit, but even disconnected from some of your friends, um, as this has been such a challenging year, yeah. to grab a few women and say, hey, let's just dig in together. Yeah. Um, and as we get to know the Holy Spirit together, you're actually going to get to know each other, which... Um, we're, we're intended to be in community with each other right. and with God. So uh, Jeannie, such a great conversation. Thank you for joining me thank on you Ready for to Thrive. for having yeah. I trust this has helped you move one step closer to thriving. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not gonna ask you to rate the show or subscribe, But I am going to ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something. But when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered often it is the exact thing I needed to hear so if someone popped into your mind click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them and thank you for listening to ready to thrive